Welcome to another episode of Scripts on Scripture. I am your host, Heather Preston, and as always, with me today is my co-host, Ivory McDonald, worship leader extraordinaire. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Can we not? (laughs) Today we're going to be talking about weird stories in the Bible and going a little bit into the context and examining, and honestly, there really are some weird stories Uh, in the the Bible. So, um... I, in honor of weird stories, I have (laughs) a weird question to ask you. Go for it. Okay. What is the random thing that you do that folk might think is weird? (laughs) I'll go first. (laughs) So I have this weird habit of when I walk upstairs, Uh I immediately start counting. (gasps) Oh my gosh. I thought I was the only one on that. Really? I totally do that. Like, I legit know that it's 17 yes. stairs to my job. <laughs> and like, and sometimes like if I'm walking the street, like I will just, I will just start counting how many See? steps. <laughs> like in my old church, like I, I know how many steps it took to get from backstage all the way to my office. I legit <laughs> didn't realize how weird it was until one day I was um, teaching my daughter to, you know, to the stairs because there are uh-huh. stairs at Mimi and Papa's house. So, mm-hmm. you know, teaching her the stairs. And I just immediately started counting out loud. <laughs> And, and, and John looks at me and he's like, what, what, how did you think of that? And I was like, I, it's like, uh, it's automatic. Like it's, I will literally be like, one, two, three, four, five. Okay, it's like, so, I, like, I think I'm weird, but like, it's, I think this comes from being a Florida girl, but I, I hate wearing socks, like <laughs> loathe wearing socks to the point where even in the wintertime, mm-hmm. like I will deal with my feet being absolutely frozen solid before <laughs> I will wear socks. If I have to surrender to wearing socks, I do this weird thing where I only put them on halfway. I, okay. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> Let's say la. Okay. You, you put on your socks halfway. Please, I don't know please why. clarify. Like I, in your shoes? Okay, so you know like footy socks? Because yeah. I won't go the full sock. Like, yeah, they never you stay can't, on. You can't do the full sock. And I'll uh-huh. put them on, but I won't put the heel on. <laughs> in your shoe? Well, okay, if I'm wearing shoes, I'll put them on all the way. No, this is like around the house. If I have to surrender to That's, wear it. <laughs> you know, Heather, um, they have these you things called weird. Um, slippers. <laughs> Where it, it does this amazing thing where it covers the front of your Thanks, foot, you know? but leaves the back of your feet open. You know what I'm saying? I don't know why. There's room it's at the almost cross. like a claustrophobia thing. I don't know. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. You asked nope. for weird. But we love you anyway. <laughs> so, so back to scripture. Um, so, Hallelujah. All right. We did. Um, I did a series a while back mm-hmm. on social media about weird stories in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, and people had so many questions and also really hysterical responses. So mm-hmm. comment in and just just feel free to write up a whole book. Put it in the chat. It's really fun um, because there are there are some legitimately weird, weird, weird stories. Yes. But one thing I really wanted to look at was the context, because like most any work of literature, Mm -hmm. if you take it out of context, it can be made to sound really weird. Right. And we're talking about something that was written in another culture, another time. So many contextual 
clues that would be lost on us. I mean, yeah. I was thinking about this. So I went to to lunch with a friend of mine, and she's from London. Mm-hmm. And I said something about the napkins, and um, and she she kind of chuckled, and I was like, "What?" And she's like, "Don't call him that." And I was like, "Don't call what?" <laughs> and she and she's like, she's like, "That's what we call diapers." <laughs> And I was like, what? And so, it, I mean, it was just something that, like, we're speaking the same language. Yeah. You know, we're, we're in the same time period. There's not that much separating us, but one word can have a drastically different meaning. I mean, it's the same thing, like, you think about even the word gay. It was less than a century ago. <laughs> that wasn't talking about what it's talking about today. I'm so, not going to lie. My heart did a flip-flop when you said that. I was like, oh, I mean, where well, are we going? <laughs> You you kind of you kind of forget about how much language is is like a living organism yeah. in so many ways mm-hmm. and and changes over time yeah. and especially when you have a drastically different culture with different concerns of daily life different pressures different societal factors mm-hmm. so you know we have to we have to look at that it's kind of like a who what when where why you have to to go through when you're reading these stories to to really go okay was that an abnormal thing right. that happened right. or does it just seem abnormal to me? Right. That being said, mm-hmm. I wanted to talk today about, um, <laughs> this story in second Kings where Elisha, this, the story, the way that I always was told this was that he tells some bears to eat some boys. Yeah. <laughs> I know the story. <laughs> I remember like every time I'd read the story, I'd be like, Lord, um, it, what? it's a lot. What? <laughs> It's a lot. <laughs> you you kind of go like, what, what's 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 going on here? Yeah. And a, a little bit of background on the prophet Elisha is uh, he his his predecessor Elijah is very very significant to the story. Now Elijah Elijah was the big man on campus. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was he's one of the most renowned respected prophets in the entire Bible. Yep. And um, Elijah, I remember them because their names are in alphabetical order. I get them confused. <laughs> so, anyways, um, side note. Um, so, anyways, Elijah is basically training up Elisha, and and when he's getting close to to when he knows he's he's about to die, and he doesn't actually die, which mm-hmm. is super cool. He's one of two people in scripture who doesn't actually die. But he, he he tells Elisha, and Elisha asks for a double portion of his of his spirit. Now, it's, it's really interesting because you're talking about a man who has such incredible influence, and mm-hmm. Elisha is so faithful in following and learning and listening and serving, and he requests this double portion of his spirit. Elijah says that if he is there with him when he departs, then God will grant his request, mm-hmm. which Elisha does, and so therefore inherits a double portion of his spirit. Okay, real quick. Yes. Because, okay. Yes. Um, in my brain, my brain is a little weird, fam. So, like, I think of Elijah as, like, Morgan Freeman and Elisha as, like, Denzel. Like, that's literally... This is, this is yes. I'm, I'm so, with you on that. <laughs> go ahead. Continue. <laughs> so sorry. But that's what's in my head. So... So you have this incredible scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in, in all of scripture. And and Elijah is literally carried off on in a in a chariot to heaven. Mm-hmm. He never he never dies, like I said. But he his cloak 
basically falls away. Mm-hmm. And that's what Elisha picks up. Now that's very significant in scripture. Staff, cloak, it's, it's a passing of the mantle. Mm-hmm. It's a very significant thing. So when people would see Elisha wearing Elijah's cloak, when they would see him with his staff, those are very symbolic. Um, they would know. Mm-hmm. They would know. And, um, and, and you, and immediately after he, he inherits this, um, Elijah, Elisha, excuse me, is he, he parts waters just mm-hmm. like Moses. I mean, yeah. he, there's, there's a miracle takes place. I mean, it's just, there's, it's, it's a grand moment. Right. So, but you have to take a step back as well and consider the period in history. Now, Elisha has followed Elijah diligently through all of his ministries. But Elijah had to deal with characters like King Ahab Mm -hmm. and Queen Jezebel. Hot messes. (laughs) Massively, (laughs) massively violent, (laughs) idol-worshipping. I mean, you know, the the kind of things they brought into Israel would... I mean, you're talking about... Now, sin is sin. I'm not trying to make it out like this is, you know, mm-hmm. this is so much worse than than today. But at the same time, you're talking about idol worship that involved things like human sacrifice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gods like Baal and Molech, where you're talking about infant sacrifice. I yeah. mean, things that just um, uh, it's 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 hard to to fathom living in in those kind of in, in when you're when you're watching this kind of thing thing happen. So he dealt with all kinds of characters and was on the run for his life. I mean, as you know, you know, Jezebel hunted him down. Right. So Elisha is going to expect the same treatment. He's been by Elijah's side through all of this. Mm-hmm. And and he does. And he ends up on the run for his life multiple times. Okay, let's go to Second Kings and and actually read what what we're talking about because read the scriptures. Yes. So in verse 23 It says, from there, Elisha went up to Bethel. As he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered at him. Get out of here, Baldy, they said. Get out of here, Baldy. (laughs) He turned around, looked at them, and called down a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Then two bears came out of the woods and mauled 42 of the boys. And he went on to Mount Carmel from there to Samaria. <laughs> I love Fam. how it just like moves along. <laughs> Let's just, just say like, a lot right here. Let's just, <laughs> just pause. Because I remember I would read that and be like, God, we doing a lot. Like, okay, he called you Bali. So, exactly. so we call out animals so, out of the woodworks whoa, to come and kill them? I like, mean. It's a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> like. I, so the first time, yeah, the first time I read the story, I was kind of, I was like, that's a little overkill. Like, it's it's still so much. It seemed too much. So, (laughs) but it's, the insult here, here's where I feel like a lot of the translation gets lost because you're, the biblical writer knows who they're talking to. They know Mm -hmm. their audience. Mm -hmm. And so they know that their audience is going to inherently grasp a lot of the symbolism and things, you know, I mean, it's even like the cloak, you know, you or I might be like, okay, so he got his hand-me-downs. That's great. (laughs) But it's, (laughs) that's not at all what he's inheriting. Um, so much more than that. And it's the same thing with the receding hairline. Okay. So he's, he's not getting insulted for needing some Rogaine. I'm um, screaming. He's, and, and this, another thing is, this is not, we think of when it says boys in the Bible, 
you know, I, I think of school kids. Yeah. Okay. That is extremely unlikely because the, the, the way that the Israelites, the, the way that they kept children, young children at home to mm. learn, um, chores and responsibilities and things like that. They were educated by their mothers. They were at home. Oh. They're not going to be out roaming around riding their bikes in the street corner. Okay. So it's, 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 Far more likely that we're talking about um, adolescent or young adult men who it would be like a modern day gang. It'd be like oh. a modern day gang. Um, another thing is their insult. They understand, they grasp who this is mm. in in a very significant way. The the jab is is essentially because Elijah was notoriously hairy. He was a very very hairy man, and so it's like saying you're not as much of a man oh. as your predecessor. So that that's the jab. All right. Oh, okay. So, oh, okay. Wow. And then when they shouted him, go up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you have to remember how Elijah died or didn't die. He, he left. And so they're essentially telling him to die. Oh, snap. So it's, it's a threat. And you have to figure this prophet has been on the run for his life the majority of his ministry. Yeah. And now he's being yelled at by a gang mm-hmm. of most likely Baal worshipers mm-hmm. because they don't want his presence. They don't want his leadership. They don't want what he has to say because obviously they're not going to want him around. He's telling them to stop doing what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Another thing that's interesting to me um, is the, the translations – some say eat, most say mauled or tore. Okay. So they, they essentially just got attacked by some bears. Well, that's a great way to start and your <laughs> ministry. <laughs> and it's and it's interesting to me because like I didn't I had no clue bears were even common in that region. Yeah. And and I felt kind of foolish because I started researching it and they're mentioned a lot. They're even mentioned by David when he's That's guarding right. his his sheep. That's he, right. You know, so it's like, no, they're actually really common in the region. And and if you're reading it closely, you'll notice that um, Elisha doesn't actually say, God, I want you to have some bears come and maul these boys. He curses at them. And then they get attacked by bears. Now, obviously, it's implied that, that you know, God delivered him from them right. using bears. Right, right. But um, but it's not like he specifically asked for this right. type of intervention. Yeah. So and anyways. then he went on his merry way. <laughs> 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 Just kept going. So anyway, so some context I feel like makes this story. It's still weird. It, yeah, but the context it 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 gives you more understanding Mm -hmm. because reading it as like a child or, you know, growing up, just reading it. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that. I thought these were legit, like little boys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And I was like, bro, you going to get your feelings hurt by some little boys. (laughs) Like little boys. I mean, come on. (laughs) But like, if you have the context, you do the research, Mm -hmm. then it makes a little more sense. I feel like as when we read scripture, we really have to like, we can't just read it. Yeah. We really got to study it yeah. and do the research so that it makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. And when you come across something like this that's so bizarre, seems mm-hmm. so bizarre, there's usually either an explanation that makes it seem less bizarre. Right. Or there's a really good reason. Right. For it being bizarre. Right. And, and a lot of times those are the most significant places. Like I like to study, I like to lean in when it seems really weird and I don't get it Mm -hmm. because a lot of times those are the places where I find breakthrough in terms of understanding the Bible. Um, so, so that's Elijah and the bears that eat some boys. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
Um, so another topic um, that if you've read your Bible or you grew up in church, I'm sure you've heard a lot about, and it's more of a theme than a story, mm-hmm. but um, foreskins. No. And- <laughs> <laughs> so, well. So, so I, I really, especially, especially as a kid, Whenever circumcision would come up, it was like I got so uncomfortable. I, I, I mean, like squirm a little bit. It's, you know it's what I'm saying? Just, you just be like, you be tight like, booty just a little bit. I just like, uh. No, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I don't like that. Let's just skip over it. Um, so, but it comes up a lot. It comes yeah. up a lot. And, and there's a story that I want to talk about today, um, between Moses and Zipporah. It's interesting on a number of levels. And we could talk about how, you know, there are medical experts who, who say that circumcision was really important because it was more hygienic and there are all these different levels. But historically speaking, this was an uncomfortable topic then as well. <laughs> It was not common. And painful. And it was not comfortable. <laughs> I mean, and so it's like, this is one of those instances where um, it was it was weird then. Mm-hmm. It was weird then. Mm-hmm. So so we want to understand what, what's going on here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Exodus Yeah, four. what's the story for people that don't so, know what we're talking about? So do you want to give the overview of the story? Uh, okay, so I can try. So let me know if I'm wrong. <laughs> I'll be reading my Bible, fam. <laughs> So, okay, so Moses had just met with God, right? And Mm -hmm. uh, God told him, you're going to Egypt. Tell the Pharaoh, let my people go. So Moses comes down from the mountain, and he Mm -hmm. gathers his family, and they're on their way back to Egypt. Well, so apparently an angel, I think that's what the scripture says, an angel got in Moses' way to kill him. Mm -hmm. Like, the intention was to kill him. Mm -hmm. Now, you'd be like... I'm sorry, hold on one second. Did you just tell this man to go back to Egypt? Now we gonna kill him? <laughs> so the angel comes and he's gonna he's getting ready to like kill him. And Zipporah, mm-hmm. she takes her son, Gershom, I think is his name. Uh yeah. He takes his son and she circumcises him, takes mm-hmm. his foreskins, and throws it at the feet of, of Moses. And she said, You've become as blood to me. What is she, what Surely you are the bride, a bridegroom of blood to me. Okay, yes. A lot. Yes. And, <laughs> and then the angel leaves. Mm-hmm. I guess he's mm-hmm. appeased mm-hmm. and yeah. leaves. In Synexus chapter four. And basically, yeah, so they are on separate pages. It, it appears Moses mm-hmm. and Zipporah are on separate pages. But... You know, doesn't say why Moses hesitates, but he does and and doesn't take care of business and doesn't circumcise his son. The Lord was going to kill Moses, but Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with him. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. So, and it says in parentheses, at that time, she said bridegroom of blood referring to circumcision. So it's, it's one of those, it's one of those almost chaotic stories in in the Bible where you're kind of, you know, you're trying to track with what, what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of moving parts here. And, and like you said, you know, you're, you're in the the middle of this birth of a great leader, Moses, he's already had quite a story, but he's stepping into a place of leadership now where he's never, he's never quite been before, you know, and, and, and in a lot of ways, He's like the Israelite of all Israelites. Yeah. You know, he's the one that led them out of Egypt. He's the one that, you know, God called out of the wilderness and and just 
all of these um, all of these factors. But then you have Zipporah. She's not an Israelite. That not was at all. Be my question to you. Yeah, if she was an Israelite. She's not an Israelite. And so there's mm-hmm. got to be a lot of of confusion in terms of of who is this God mm-hmm. that that we're following, and and then you have practices like circumcision that are weird to anyone, including the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, what is what was the purpose of circumcision? Like, why was it important? It's it's an oath. It's an allegiance. It's and in a lot of ways, in ancient cultures, you 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 have you have this kind of imagery when it comes to generations upon generations upon generations, and it can be easy to <laughs> to overly sexualize a lot of this. But the connotation is is just it's more symbolic than anything. It's yeah. not so much. Um, it's not intended to be just straight up phallic imagery like we see in a lot of Grecian art and, yeah. and, and things like that. Um, there's there's a lot of symbolism in terms of um, in terms of who the Israelites are, mm-hmm. and you know you have you have these genealogies listed and you have all of this, but the mark of an Israelite wasn't their skin color, wasn't their race. You have people from all different right. nations who right. become Israelites, so you have this marking distinction. Mm-hmm. That is physical at this point in history. This is the old covenant. We have to remember that this is this is not the new covenant. This is the old covenant. So there are physical um, displays that are done, mm-hmm. physical sacrifices that are made, and and they're not they're not strictly symbolic. This is a very literal thing that mm-hmm. that has to happen. The thing that that really just just struck me about this whole exchange is. Moses and Zipporah, how human they are in this scene. You know, you have to imagine what Zipporah is feeling in this instance. Yeah. You know, she's she's clearly, you know, been a, a, a faithful wife to Moses, but on this in this instance, they're they're on different pages. Yeah. And Moses didn't didn't take care of what he was supposed to take care right, of. Right. Right. So um, I, I feel like this is one of those marital arguments that gets captured in scripture where it's like, you know, you have instances like this with Abraham and Sarah and you have other, other huge leaders in the Bible and the Bible doesn't hold back on that. And I think that's the beautiful thing about scripture is that it's, it's, it's all on the table. And, and that I feel like in this instance, Zipporah steps up, does what needs to be done and her words to Moses. I mean, we can read them with all kinds of tone, Mm -hmm. But regardless, it's it's acknowledging his leader his leadership and what God has called him to do, and acknowledging that they have to be all in. Mm-hmm. Like there is no halfway. Like when it comes to following God and leading His people, they whatever it looks like, mm-hmm. they have to be all in. And in this yeah. case, it was it was <laughs> circumcision. I think it also shows like. God ain't playing these games, fam. Mm-mm. The children of Israel were supposed to circumcise their yep. their sons as symbolic of showing their separation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That they were separated and consecrated to God. And God's like, well, if you're going to get started on this journey with me, yeah. you're going to have to do this the you, right you, way. Yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. I, I have a purpose. I have a plan. I have mm-hmm. something that I want you to do. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have to do this my way. Exactly. 
Exactly. I mean, literally, the angel's like, I'm <laughs> finna kill you. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, exactly. It so, just shows God is serious. Yes. That is the theme of circumcision and foreskins in the hey Bible. Man, let's um, move on. That's <laughs> just it's, it's very uncomfortable. <laughs> so no, so there there are there are so many other uh, weird stories in the Bible, but um, but like you said, like you said, I feel like when we when we get the context and when we get the background of the story, it either makes it come to life and yeah. we and we realize that oh, this isn't as strange as I thought it was. Or it was strange for a significant reason. I think people forget, like, the Bible was not written originally for us. <laughs> exactly. So I follow Tim Ross, the, oh, the basement, right? He's phenomenal. And he was, I think it was his last episode, like, he was talking about the book was not written to us. Exactly. Like, it was written to Jews. Yes. Who would have understood yes. what that all meant. Yes. We don't understand. Oh, there are tons of things. I mean, you you have themes of, like, warrior culture. We don't think in terms of that today. Right. And especially not in the West. In, in a... In a in a privileged situation, in, in any kind of modern first world situation, we're not looking at life the way that an ancient audience very likely would have. Right. You had a largely agrarian society. Yeah. You had a society that was vulnerable, that um, for the most part in the Bible was not the top dog. You know, there is a large amount of the Old Testament where the Israelites were oppressed. Yeah were, you know, other neighboring nations had taken them into captivity and, and in extreme ways at times. Yeah. And not just slavery in Egypt, but in many other instances where they're they're dominated by another nation and kind of absorbed. One thing that is, is truly remarkable about the Israelites is that in all the seasons of captivity that they experienced throughout all of those, mm -hmm. they never lose their cultural identity. Yeah. That is one thing that is truly, to me, so profound. Yeah. Because you had hundreds of years at times where they're they're enslaved here, they're captured here, they're, you know, the, so many instances of this come up in scripture, but they never lose their cultural identity. Even through to today. Yes. Thousands of years. Yes. And they've kept their yes. identity. Yes. And that, that to me, I, I just, I feel like there's so much... Um, there's so much to be said for that. Mm -hmm. um, I think the Bible has a lot to do with that, mm -hmm. having a written record of yeah. your, your history in that way yeah. and really, truly valuing the, the God and the principles that your God has laid down before you. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with that. Yeah. So anyways, this is a fun topic. This is a fun discussion. We have no more? And, <laughs> well, we, 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 have more, we have more weird stories, that's for sure. But <laughs> why? What do you want to talk about? I don't trying to think of like another weird story <laughs> i can't think of it off the top of my one head. of my favorites is the prophet Baal and the donkey oh <laughs> let's talk about it. you're talking about balaam right yes balaam sorry oh my okay. gosh yes yes let me let me look it up let me okay. look it up um you give the paraphrase okay so because i love your paraphrases <laughs> okay so i believe <laughs> this is uh the children of israel going from Egypt, they have now crossed the Red Sea, right? And they're going into, they're making their way into the promised land. And of course, they're like fighting everybody on the way. And um, this is the, the ivory translation. I'm trying to find the scripture. 
here it is. Okay. So the people rebel, of course. There's all of this other chaos happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, yes. So then they are coming up against the king of the Amorites. Okay, yeah, yes. So then the Lord says to not be afraid of them. And they they keep traveling. Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites and Moab. And he was terrified because there were so many people. Um, and the Moabites were terrified. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent me- messengers to su- summon Balaam, son mm-hmm. of Baor, who was at Pethor, <laughs> like how those rhyme, <laughs> near the Euphrates River in his native land. And Balak said, a people has come out of Egypt. They covered the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people because they are too powerful for me. Mm. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed and whoever you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and Midian left and taking with them a fee for divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite officials stayed with him. This goes on and on, but God says to Balaam, don't go with them. You must put a curse on those people because they are um, because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak, as officials, go back to your country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. They come back to Balaam and they say, this is what the son of Balak, a son of Zippor says, don't let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely mm-hmm. and do whatever you say. Come put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of my Lord. So he spends the night there. And that night, God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them, but only do what I tell you to do. Mm. Okay. So he's like trying to play both sides. Yeah. So this obviously makes God angry. All right. And God... It says, but God was very angry. (laughs) And the angel of the Lord stood on the road to oppose him. You got to imagine that. Anytime an angel of the Lord shows up in in scripture, Mm -hmm. what what is the first thing that they say? Fear not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And because you know that people are going to be scared. The angel did not say that. He said, you need to be afraid. mm -mm, mm -mm. (laughs) So Balaam's riding his donkey and the servants are with him. Mm -hmm. Now look at what it says. This part cracks me up. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road, sword drawn in his hand, turned off the road. What it does not say is that Balaam saw the angel. Right. It says the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. Okay. So Balaam starts beating his donkey. It literally says Balaam beat it to get back on the road. Mm -hmm. He's clearly not seeing the angel. Okay. So the angel of the Lord stood in the narrow path through the vineyards with, with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, says it again, it pressed close to the wall. This donkey's scared, right. okay? Crushing Balaam's foot against it, so he beat the donkey again. And you can imagine, he's getting more and more angry. Right. All right. Then the angel of the Lord, I mean, this story just, to me, is like, gets more and more ridiculous as you read it. Yep, it's I mean, a lot. It's a lot going on here. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead, stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn either right or left. So he's literally has to corner Balaam. Right. Okay. The angel of the Lord already has the donkey's attention. Ooh, beloved. Okay. When the donkey, it keeps, <laughs> it's killing me every it's time it does it. my favorite part. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam. He so like, said, I'm going <laughs> to lay down. <laughs> he's like, 
I can't go no further. <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to take a nap. So at this point, Balaam literally gets out his staff and starts beating right. the animal with it. I mean, the donkey laid down for crying <laughs> out, like he's crushed your foot. He's gone off the road. He's finally just lays down. And now Balaam, like a crazy person, gets out his, his staff, starts beating it. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth and it said to Balaam, what have I done to make you beat me these three times? Let's now, just say la right here. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point to pause. What do? You, what would you do I, if if well, your dog <laughs> just started talking to you? Just like, hey, why'd you why'd you have to hit me like that? What? What would you do? What? Why? <laughs> well, because this is the best part. Balaam, Balak, Balaam, whatever his name is, answers back. That's the thing that kills me. We're talking to donkeys now. (laughs) That's the thing that kills me. I'm like, really? I mean, really? So instead of like stopping and going. Something's wrong. My animal's talking to me. He answers back. Balaam answered the donkey. It literally says, Balaam answered the donkey. You've made a fool of me. Oh, no. I think you did that on your own, Balaam. Right. Um, if only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. <laughs> the donkey said to Balaam, am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? It's like, get a clue. It's literally like the donkey is looking at Balaam like, can you really still have this conversation with me? No, he said. So Balaam is still talking to, to the donkey. They're still having a full blown conversation yeah. with an animal. Absolutely. Like this is the Chronicles of Narnia or something. It says, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord, hallelujah, finally, standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. I just, I just, every time I read the story, I, I can't help but feel like there's, there's a joke we, here. We gotta, we gotta start from the beginning because, <laughs> because God clearly told Balaam the answer is no. Yeah, is no. You cannot curse these people. Right. They are blessed. Yes. Right? But the king comes back and is like, please. Yeah. Please. And instead of... It's interesting, too, that they go straight to Balaam. They right. know who they can get to do their dirty work. Right. Right. He's got a weakness. I feel like the Lord was like, all right. I'll let you go with them, but you got to do what I tell you to do. Mm-hmm. If he had just been obedient yes. from the very beginning, yes, none of this would have happened. No, and now God was like, "Now I'm finna teach you a lesson." Exactly, because I told you my answer the first time. Exactly, but you want you want riches and stuff. That's really what it is. Yep, and you're gonna. Okay, so now you're gonna have a Chronicles of Narnia moment. And and Ivory, there's <laughs> such a word in what you just said right there because we're talking about a prophet, right? We're not talking about some rando in the Bible who just gets plucked out of the pages of scripture. We're talking about a man who does genuinely hear the voice of God. Mm -hmm. He talks to God. Mm -hmm. And yet he's led astray a chase of money and Mm -hmm. prosperity and Mm -hmm. and whatnot. And, and, And he comes to a moment where he looks this ridiculous. I mean, I don't think you could possibly look more ridiculous than talking to a donkey. Can you imagine his servants? No. Like they're looking at him like, ah. Uh, and also like <laughs> the donkey sees the angel. Right. That's a word. The donkey. That's a word. That's crazy to me. 
That's crazy to me. But I think it's it's a warning. Yes. You can get so off track that you are that you are blind to the supernatural that's standing right in front of you. Yep. yep. So blind you can have a full blown conversation with a donkey. <laughs> Yo. Yo. If God can, I mean, I don't know. And I mean, and I really feel like <laughs> there, there's a joke in there. There's a joke in there. What what he looks like <laughs> talking to a donkey. I mean, so it's really a remarkable story. It's a weird story. Mm-hmm. Um, very weird. I don't know of any other story in scripture where somebody has a full-blown conversation with a donkey. I think that's unique to Balaam. Right. He gets to go down in, in history. <laughs> we talk to animals. <laughs> so anyways, I can imagine the, the writers of scripture recording this for that specific point. Yeah. I mean, yes, this is a historical moment, so you're going to record it for it for that reason. Right. But, um, but the details wouldn't necessarily need to be included for history. That's yeah. a lesson. Yeah. hundred percent. And, and that's the why I, I think that a lot of times when we read these weird stories, Asking the why is a really important question. Like, why was this so important that the writers thought it necessary to record? Why was it important to to include an entire conversation? Like, he didn't just say, the Lord opened the donkey's mouth to speak, and he rebuked Balaam. Right. He records the conversation! (laughs) Why have you hit me these three times? Like, (laughs) he knows what the donkey said! (laughs) So that that's I think that's really significant. Why was it important? And there is I feel like there is a lesson in this story mm-hmm. to all of us. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, it's applicable to everyone, not just not just preachers or prophets, but but to all of us. Yep. So, anyways, the, these are weird stories. These are weird stories with um, with a lesson in them. With Do you context? research people? Do you research? Do you studies? Exactly. And and as always, um, I love to, uh, to to let anyone know what resources I'm using. And a lot of that is is honestly studying what was happening in the history or the culture at the time that the story is being recorded. So yeah. it's not always riveting um, <laughs> storybook material, but... Um, but it does help you better understand and contextualize scripture. Yeah. So this was good. Anyways. This was a good conversation. <laughs> so anyways, don't forget to like and subscribe. Yes. Like people, <laughs> like, comment, subscribe, share all the things, all the things, all the things. But anyways, thanks for joining us on another episode of scripts on scripture. I'm Heather Preston. This is Ivory McDonald signing out. <laughs>